Good morning. Our scripture reading this morning comes from Romans 8, verses 1 to 11, and can be found on page 944 in your church Bibles. My name's Stephen. Um, I've been coming to this church for about five years. And for the last two years, my wife and I have been hosting a community group in Fairfax. And for the last year, I've been serving as a deacon. But I'm rolling off uh, in July because I'm joining the church staff. So I'm going to encourage you all to join community groups because I'm going to become director of community groups. (laughs) Romans 8. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do, by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh, in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death. But to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. For those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if in fact the spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. This is the word of the Lord. Well, good morning again and welcome to Capital Press Fairfax. My name is Rob and I'm a pastor here. And some of you may know and some of you might not know that on some mornings we have uh, our sermons live streamed in from our campus there in McLean. And on some mornings, We have live preaching here in Fairfax, and I'm thankful this morning that I have the opportunity to open God's Word and to speak from it this morning. We're carrying on in our series, Enjoying God, uh, but before we uh, jump into that, I want to have a brief chat about expectations, right? Because expectations play a significant role in kind of how we approach certain situations, uh, even certain people. Right. If I called you tomorrow morning, well, it's uh, Memorial Day. If I called you Tuesday morning uh, and I said, hey, around noon, uh, I was thinking about uh, heading down to the DMV. And I want to know if you want to get in on that. I got to get, you know, uh, the truck. I got to get some registration for the truck updated. Um, How excited would you be to head down to the DMV with me? Right. You've come to expect a certain experience there. Right. Uh, but if I called on Tuesday morning and said, hey, around noon, I, am, uh, I was planning on heading to get some lunch at uh, Ruth's Chris Steakhouse, right? I just, it's my treat. I want to know if you want to he- get in on that, right? 
It's never going to happen, but if it did, <laughs> if it did, uh, you might have a different level of interest in joining me for that uh, outing, right? Because, again, you have different expectations when it comes to a meal there. You know how satisfying that can be. Maybe it's sports teams. Maybe it's the Golden State Warriors. Uh, you have expectations when you watch them, right? Their style of play, their, the quality of plays. We've got some kids here this morning. Kids, have you ever had this experience, right? Your parents say, hey, we're going over to someone's house for dinner. And what question do you ask them? Have you ever asked this question? Are there going to be other kids there? Right? You know that. Why do you ask that question? Because you want to know what to expect, right? Am I going to have hours of adult-only conversation, or am I going to have some time to play with kids? Expectations make a difference in how we approach things. Uh, some of you would know we're going through Tim Chester's book, Enjoying God, uh, as a church, and this sermon series following that. And if you haven't got that book, I would encourage you to buy it. You can get it on Amazon. Um, It'll be here like by the time you get home from church, uh, if you do that. <clears throat> but in that book, in his chapter on the Holy Spirit, he has this question. What are your expectations when it comes to the Spirit of God? What are your expectations when it comes to the Spirit of God? DMV, sports teams, dinners, we have expectations on all these things. What are your expectations when it comes to the Spirit of God? <clears throat> Consider this. Jesus says to his followers, it's actually better for me to leave so that the Holy Spirit can come than for me to stay here with you guys. It's better for me to leave. How does that affect your expectations? Could it be that some of us suffer a stale and lifeless experience of Christianity because we don't know what to expect from the Holy Spirit? Could it be that some of us experience defeat again and again, bondage from a particular sin, a particular brokenness in our life, because we don't know what to expect from the Holy Spirit? And, and maybe this morning you wouldn't consider yourself a follower of Christ. You're here checking things out. But I think each and every one of us, man, woman, boy, and girl, would admit that we all want an inner peace. We, we all want life even life to the full. So how you answer this question, what, what do I expect of the Holy Spirit? That makes all the difference in, in the world when it comes to your walk with God, enjoying your walk with God, even understanding the basics of Christianity. So I'm going to pray for us, and we're going to look at these first several verses of Romans 8 and see how uh, that answers the question, what can we expect from the Spirit of God? Would you guys pray with me? Heavenly Father, um, in this room this morning are indeed men and women, boys and girls. Every single one of us longing for freedom and joy and life and peace. We pray that you would open our eyes in these next minutes that we might see you and your love for us. Give us ears to hear your voice and life-giving wisdom. Would you unearth the lies that we believe and by your Spirit, lead us in the way of your truth. In Jesus' name, amen. 
So in our series thus far, we've looked at enjoying God's love. We did that a couple weeks ago. We've looked at enjoying the Son's grace. David preached on that last week, and this week we're looking at enjoying the Spirit's fellowship. If you like to have kind of an outline or a roadmap for where we're going this morning, two points, our search for joy and God's gift of joy. Our search for joy and God's gift of joy. Um, Our passage starts out with, there is therefore, which means that what we're looking at this morning builds on what was just said, right? We see that word therefore, we need to kind of look back and say, okay, well, what is he making this conclusion from? What is he drawing from? That's chapter 7. And in chapter 7, Paul speaks about his search for joy. But he really actually speaks about his... uh, his failed search for joy or his inner struggle, his challenges when it comes to to enjoying God and walking with God and following God. See what it says there in verse 15. If you got your Bible open here, he says this, for I do not understand my own actions. Paul says, I don't understand my own actions. Uh, Again, kids, maybe you've had this experience Boys and girls, maybe you've done something, something you weren't supposed to do, and you got caught, and your parents, what, what do they say sometimes when you get caught? They say, why did you do that? Right? Or what, what were you thinking? Right? And I'm guilty of asking the same thing to my boys sometimes. And kids, you know, there's really, nine times out of ten, what's your answer? Like, I don't know. Right? Like, I don't, I, it's not like I, like, faced these circumstances and ran through an exhaustive search of all the things I could do and chose to do the one that's going to upset you the most, right? Like, right, your, your, your answer is usually like, I don't know why I did that, all right? And kids, um, you need to know adults do the same thing, right? Sometimes we do things that we shouldn't do. Sometimes your parents, other adults do foolish things, And even though our moms and dads aren't around to ask us why we did that often, sometimes we ask ourselves and we're like, man, why did I do that? And nine times out of ten, we have to say, yeah, I don't don't even know why I did that. And that's something of what Paul is saying. For I don't understand my own actions. Hear the whole verse. He says, for I do not understand my own actions. For I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. He goes on to say things like this. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Right, so this passage that we're looking at in Romans 8 on the Holy Spirit grows out of chapter 7 and Paul's inner struggle, his inner challenge to find joy, to obey God, to to live the life that he's been called to live Paul says there's this war being waged inside of me. And when we hear that and we read that, that should bring us tremendous hope. Uh, I love that there's no pretending in Paul. All right? There's no place for it. He's just honest about how he's doing and where he's at. And, And Paul, the one who had a personal interaction with Jesus on the road to Damascus and heard his voice, If Paul, the great leader of those early church missionary journeys, if Paul, the the one who wrote a substantive part of the New Testament, if Paul says, hey, this following God stuff, this enjoying God stuff, it's difficult, that should give us hope. 
That means if sometimes you find it challenging and difficult and hard and confusing, you're in good company. If you are a weary mom and dad of young children, if you're a restless, empty nester, if you're anxious teenagers or 20-somethings and you're finding enjoying God difficult, um, Paul gets you, right? The, The Bible gets you and the Bible speaks to you and meets you where you're at. Paul admits that he's, he's messed up. He's got these challenges, but, but it's a glorious mess because God's at work and God's grace is at work. If we read all of verse 1 of Romans chapter 8, he says, There is therefore now no condemnation for those of us who are in Christ Jesus. So Paul makes it clear as we're talking about pursuing joy and searching for joy that, that the search and the struggle isn't for trying to attain or achieve or earn God's love or forgiveness because Paul says in Christ there's no condemnation. We've already uh, received it. Forgiveness is already ours. Paul, Paul talks about how Jesus did that in verses 3 and 4. He says, Christ coming in the likeness of sinful flesh, living the life we should have lived, And then taking the penalty we deserve, the death that we deserved, we now stand without any condemnation. So so the great struggle and search for joy, we need to realize this, is not trying to to earn God's love. But the great struggle and search for joy, uh, it's wrapped up in trying to see and understand and behold and love the one who earned it for us. That's what our search for joy is all about about. And so the penalty of sin, the condemnation is no more. The the enslaving power has been broken, but but the presence is still with us. You know, this presence of sin in our life, Paul calls the flesh. He talks about the flesh a number of times, and it's important for us. That's a term we don't use a lot, you know, here in Northern Virginia, walking around this week. You probably really didn't talk about the flesh at all. So let's just fill that out. It's, it's, It's not like the flesh just equals physical right? Like the flesh is just physical. That's not how Paul uses the term. That's not the biblical understanding. Like you have flesh and then maybe you have mental. No. When Paul uses the word flesh, he's talking about an inner brokenness. He's talking about the reality that not just our bodies, but our minds and our affections, they're all tainted and corrupted from the fall of man. And it's a brokenness that we all deal with and we all struggle with. And, and in these 11 verses here, in the, first cha- in, in the first verses of Romans 8, he makes it clear that the flesh and living in the flesh, that leads to death. That leads to a hosti- hostility with God. We can never please Him if we're living in the flesh. It leads to rebellion towards our Creator. Um, A helpful way to think about the flesh. I don't know if any of you kids have an aquarium, if any of you kids like fish. A helpful way to think about the the flesh is there's this particular fish, I'm sure you don't have it in an aquarium, because it lives in the deep, deep part of the sea. It's called an anglerfish. Anybody know what an anglerfish is? An anglerfish, look at some kids raising their hand. Well done, all right? So you know an anglerfish has a long dorsal fin that kind of hangs up over its head. And on the end of that dorsal fin, there's kind of this glowing orb, right? So, uh, And behind that glowing orb is a big mouth with piles of razor-sharp teeth. Right, And you don't normally see the teeth because you're in the deep, dark ocean. All you see is this glowing orb. And by the time the prey or the little fish 
kind of swim up to see, hey, what is that like beautiful glowing thing? They're interested in it, or maybe they think they might eat it, and by the time they realize what it is, those razor-sharp teeth have crunched down on them. Any, any kids here maybe know a movie that had an anglerfish in it? Right? What you got, big man? All right. I don't know. Fair enough. Uh, door, uh, Finding Nemo, right? Finding Nemo. Like the scariest scene in all of Finding Nemo is an anglerfish, right? Dorian and Nemo have got to run from it. And in some ways, that's what our flesh is like, right? In some ways, that's what sin and our brokenness is like. Because we think we, we see the glowing object, we see that image on the screen that we know is not going to bring life, or we, we hear the gossip at the office, uh, or we see an opportunity for pride and to make much of ourselves, and we start to kind of go towards it, we start to kind of enjoy. And maybe initially it looks beautiful and it, it, it's enjoyable, but sin has a set of razor-sharp teeth that will destroy you and me. And Paul makes it clear that a mindset upon the flesh leads to death. It leads to hostility and rebellion towards your Creator, which leads to judgment. So in our search for joy, our pursuit of joy, we would be hopeless if it were not for the gift of our God, if it were not for His grace that He gives us. We looked at Romans 7 and how that's Paul's kind of journal of his inward brokenness, his challenges, his failed search for joy. And so then we come to Romans 8. And do you know in Romans 8 when he's talking about, okay, if the problem is sin, what is the provision? What is the help? Uh, what is the solution? Uh, that's what Romans 8 is all about. And in this one chapter, he talks about the Holy Spirit 20 times. Right? He mentions it 20 times. So that probably has something to do with rectifying or redeeming what he's been struggling with. So we need to see what he has to say about the Holy Spirit and how it's God's provision for us, God's gift, that we might enjoy him. But, but here's our challenge. Again, back to that original question. If I, if I ask you, what, what do you expect when it comes to the Holy Spirit? A lot of us might not know how to answer that question. Um, there's a movie, uh, it came out in 2003. It was a remake of an old movie called The Italian Job. All right. And in this movie, The Italian Job, there's a particular character named Seth Green, and they're about to pull off this heist of gold. And he's in a, uh, an airport terminal, actually. And he's communicating, uh, by wireless communications to the guys that are pulling off the heist and they're calculating, they've come to the gold, they see how much they have and they're calculating how much it's worth. And they realize it's worth $27 million. And there in the middle of this airport baggage kind of claim, he shouts out, yes, right? And then everyone turns and looks at him. And in order to provide himself some covers, he, he says, I got the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Y'all need to get on that train, <laughs> right? And, and in st to some degree, that might be a little bit of what we think or what we uh, consider when we think of the Holy Spirit. That's, we can fall into kind of that, in some ways, an unbiblical understanding. If we think that it's just kind of shallow emotionalism, if it's just this kind of whooping excitement and, and just only these charismatic gifts, then we're going to miss a lot of the, the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Yes, the Holy, might bring, Holy Spirit might bring emotion, 
and maybe should bring emotion into our hearts and souls as we worship. But there's more to his work than just that. A couple, uh, couple questions when it comes to the Holy Spirit. Uh, who is the Holy Spirit and what does the Holy Spirit do? Let's start with that one. Who is the Holy Spirit? Note the question. Who? Who is the Holy Spirit? I didn't say, what is the Holy Spirit? All right? The Holy Spirit is not an id. It's not a thing. It's not a force. All right? That's why we don't say, you know, uh, may the force be with you when we pass the peace of Christ. All right? That's, uh, he is a person. The Bible talks about the Holy Spirit as a who, as a person. In these 11 verses, verse 2, he is the spirit of life. Verse 9, he is the spirit of Christ. Uh, verse 11, he is the spirit of him who raised him from the dead. All right, the spirit of life. We could, we could go back to the very beginning of the Bible from, from book 1, chapter 1, and we can see that the spirit's there at creation, hovering over the earth, formless and void. The spirit is there creating the spirit. The breath of God breathes life into the first people. The spirit has been in the life-giving business from day one. So if you're after life, if you're pursuing life and you want life, the Holy Spirit's a good place to start. The Spirit of Christ and the Spirit of Him who raised Him from the dead. All right, so the one who raised Christ from the dead is the Father. And what we see here is another vantage point, another perspective of the Trinity. Some of you would know that the Bible never uses the word Trinity, but again and again throughout the Scriptures, we see this beautiful God. One God, three persons, diverse yet unified. And so we see here this picture of the Trinity, and and we should be clear about this. Read in verse 9. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if in fact the Spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to Him. What Paul is saying there is simply this. If you're a Christian this morning, if you're a follower of Christ, you have the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit resides in you, dwells in you, and walks with you. And one, one of the main points of Chester's book, Enjoying God, and it's helpful for us to remember, is that some of our deficiencies, some of our challenges in enjoying God is that we don't relate to Him for all of who He is, right? Maybe we just relate to Him as Father or just the Son. If we don't relate to God as Spirit, if we don't have a relationship, a fellowship with the Spirit, then our experience of God is going to be diminished. It's going to be less than what it's uh, meant to be, and it's going to be less enjoyable. So that's who the Spirit is. Let's look at what the Spirit does. Again, through these 11 verses, verse 2, He has set you free. Verse 6, it says, uh, Paul speaks of the mindset on the Spirit is life and peace. And then verse 11 speaks of this resurrection power from, this, from the Spirit and freedom, life, peace. Life's so strong that it overcomes death. And you might be tempted to say, okay, Rob, that's all well and good. But what in the world does that mean? What in the world does that look like? Like when I go to the Pentagon and I arrive at work with like 25,000 other people to an intense environment, right? Uh, 
of power and, and rank and hierarchy. What does it mean when we're talking life and peace and freedom there? Or, hey, yeah, I got a three-year-old and she has just lost her mind, right? <laughs> and she's not listening to anything I say. What, what does life and peace mean right there? Um, fair enough. Let's, let's look at what the Scripture would say to those things. Um, Romans 8 speaks of what the Spirit does, what He does. But if, if we want to know how He does those things, if we want to know how He brings life and peace and freedom, it's helpful to look at what Jesus says in John 14 through 16. He says this about the Spirit. He says, The Spirit is the Spirit of truth, and He will guide you into all truth. He will bring to remembrance the things that I say. And, and Jesus again and again calls Him a helper. He's one who helps his people. And thinking about how the Spirit works, J.I. Packer, who's a, a pastor and a professor, provides this helpful illustration. Listen to what he says. I remember walking to a church one winter evening to preach, seeing the building floodlit as I turned a corner, and realizing that this was exactly the illustration my message needed. Glad J.I. Packer's working on his messages up until the last minute as well. Um, he goes on to say, When floodlighting is well done, the floodlights are so placed that you do not see them at all. You are not, in fact, supposed to see where the light is coming from. What you are meant to see is just the building on which the floodlights are trained. This perfectly illustrates the Spirit's new covenant role. He is, so to speak, the hidden floodlight shining on the Savior. The Spirit's message is, to us is never, look at me, listen to me, come to me, get to know me. But always look at Him and see His glory. Listen to Him and hear His word. Go to Him and have life. Get to know Him and taste His gift of joy and peace. The Spirit, we might say, is the matchmaker, the celestial marriage broker, whose role it is to bring us and Christ together and ensure that we stay together. Say, so, okay, Rob, yeah, fair enough. But still, what are we talking I'm, I'm living here in Northern Virginia. What does that look like? Um, conversation over lunch this week with a friend. And he was telling me this. He was like, he was at an, award, an industry awards banquet this past week, and he was saying he was there that evening, and, and awards were being given out, and, and people were talking to each other. And he could say, as the evening started, I, he said, I could just sense jealousy and pride. I was just consumed with, what awards am I going to get? Who's coming up to talk to me, and why aren't they coming up to talk to me, and why are they going to talk to them instead of... And it was just, it was a miserable experience for him. And then he said, all of a sudden, I remembered. My identity is not wrapped up in what I do. And my identity is not wrapped up in how well I do what I do. And my identity is not wrapped up in what all these people think of me. My identity is the son of God. Right? I, have, I have all I've ever wanted and all I ever need in Jesus. That's the floodlight starting to do its work there in the midst of this award banquet. He started to see that the, the recognition of his Savior was more than he could ever need or want. 
The love of his Savior is more than the love of the people in that room then and there. And friends, that's the work of the Holy Spirit. That's the Holy Spirit working in his life, helping him see his Savior is more beautiful and more glorious than the idol of reputation and status. So what does the work of the Holy Spirit look like? It looks like, yeah, when you're at the office kind of water cooler and all the gossip's going on, you don't contribute to it, right? The, the Holy Spirit reminds you, hey, that, that they're just objectifying someone and finding pleasure in them by, by this gossip, right? So the Holy Spirit says there's not life in that. Walk away. Don't contribute to it. Don't even be around it. Um, the Holy Spirit uh, working might look like this. It might be saying no to a date, right? Even though that guy or that girl is really good looking and really funny, but maybe you can just see Jesus has nothing to do with their life and that that relationship would be unhealthy. The Holy Spirit can give you the strength and power to say no to a date like that. And if you think that would be impossible, that's where we ask the helper for help to believe that Jesus is better than even the affection of that guy or girl or going out on that date. Let's, let's close up with just thinking about, okay, this week, the week before you, what does all this mean for you? Whether you're in high school, uh, whether you're a young single here, uh, whether you're young at heart, what does it mean for you? Uh, again, maybe you're here and you're just checking Christ out. You wouldn't consider yourself a follower Uh, you would need to know that for you to see Christ as you need to, the Holy Spirit has to work. The same Holy Spirit that worked around that table in Cuba through broken Spanish to help that individual see Jesus, you need that same Holy Spirit to work in you, to give you eyes to see who Christ truly is and all that Christ has truly done. So would you pray for the Spirit to help you see and believe? And if you're here this morning and you have friends and loved ones that you long to see Jesus, please know this. God can use your conversations. God can use the model of your life, but ultimately the Spirit's going to have to work. And so you should regularly pray, Spirit of God, work in my sister and my mother's life so that they see Jesus for who he is. Maybe you're here this morning and and, and you're worried about this week, and this week's going to be one more week where you just kind of have already determined, I'm going to fall into that sin again. I'm going to go back to that relationship again. I'm going to look at that screen, drink that drink, succumb to my addiction one more time again. And if you think that it's just you're doomed and there's no hope, then again, you expect too little of the Holy Spirit. Some of, some of us in res, resignation might say, well, that's just the way that I am, right? I see this brokenness, I see this area of sin, and I, see, I just say, that's just the way that I am. Christian, you can't say that, all right? That might be just the way that you are, but that's not just the way that Jesus is, and His Spirit resides in you. The Spirit that brought resurrection resides in you and so there's hope and there's power for even the darkest sin in your life would you ask the helper for help this week and would you actually share with someone in your family of faith hey i don't know how you're going to feel about me after you hear this but i need help and the spirit and that person can join you in the battle as well and finally some of you might be on cruise control this morning maybe 
in your Christian life, you're just kind of going through the motions, uh, wondering, is, is this all that there is? And, and maybe you don't experience the fellowship of the Spirit because really you never do anything or say anything or go anywhere where you aren't fully convinced that your natural abilities are enough to take care of whatever needs to be taken care of. Right? You don't ever engage in conversations where you're not fully convinced that I've got what it takes to, to do this. You don't ever, maybe the, the thought of going to Cuba is like, there's no way I could do that. But as you heard, put yourself in a foreign country, right? And all of a sudden you realize, I don't have what it takes. And you don't have to go to a foreign country. Sometimes it's just going across the office and starting a conversation, And realizing, like, that seems like the scariest thing in the world. I'm going to need help. And isn't it great that your God has given you a helper? And so maybe it's inviting someone to church. Maybe it's raising a flag and letting the people you know that you work with that you're a Christian. Maybe it's just giving generously of your time. Like, I don't have time to do this. Spirit, I'm going to do this. You're going to have to help me because I don't see how all this is going to work out. Or I'm going to give these funds and I'm not exactly sure how I'm going to do this. Spirit, would you provide? expectations. What are we expecting this week for the Spirit to do in our life? We can expect that He will walk with us and dwell with us, that He'll give us the help that we need to do. We can, ex- we can expect that our flesh and, and our enemy and this world are going to dangle little bright, shiny things to, to distract us and to tempt us and to lead us to death. And we can also expect that sometimes we're going to fail and foolishly go after those things. And rejoice because there's grace for our failures. And rejoice because we don't fight those temptations alone. We have a helper. Let's pray. Father, I pray for my friends and I pray for myself. I too confess that sometimes I just, I just don't know why I do what I do. That in my brokenness and my sin, I make foolish decisions. And I know they're our friends here among us this morning that do the same thing. And so we thank you that you haven't left us on our own. You've given us your spirit to walk with us, to dwell with us. And so we pray this week, help us to enjoy that spirit's fellowship. Help us to enjoy him at work, in our marriages, and among our roommates, that we might know the life and peace and freedom that we have in him. And may the spirit work in us to help us see Jesus, our Savior, ever more glorious. In his name we pray. Amen.